Hi, this is George Denholm. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5x2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. For this episode, we continue to welcome our co-host, Julie Dietrich, as we continue to discuss Reaching the One. So now, like as we talk about Reaching the One, that is one of our four motives— right in our vision statement, Vision 28. And in that reaching the one, we want to make sure that we're connecting people to Jesus for the first time and keeping them connected for a lifetime. In relationship to that, though, Dustin, you've developed some materials. Julie, you helped them to refine those, and you guys have presented a class on reaching the one. And in that class, you cover a variety of topics. You want to just give us a little review about what that class is kind of about and and maybe some of the background. I know we talked about it a little bit last episode, but just to refresh people's minds. Yeah, just real quick. It started really with things that George and I were part of with a group of people, I don't know, five years ago or so now that just kind of got me thinking of, okay, what does it look like to make disciples? How do we share the gospel? Because sometimes when you hear that, at least for me, that's like very overwhelming of like, I don't, where do I even begin? And so that kind of started me down a road of diving into researching, listing different pastors that are really living this out. And so as I was doing that kind of, I started getting information together our five by two is a huge part of it. And so kind of started putting all that stuff together. And then with Pastor Adam on board, things we're working on, just kind of developed this training based off all those things and tried to pull, you know, it's hard that much information, but tried to pull the the more important things out of it uh, to create an eight session training. And then Julie has been super helpful in helping me formulate that and add in things to make it engaging and discussion questions, things like that to develop within that training, if that makes sense. So it's the training is really then, as Julia and I were talking, it just made so much sense. The Vision 28, Pastor John released that, and it was like, it just kind of hit me as I saw that. This just really fits into what we were trying to accomplish with this training. In order to reach the one, you need to have resilient faith. You need to have a compelling community, and you need to be able to see the potential of each person in order to reach the one. So like I said, it just really all fit uh, really together. And so the training is really based off of those four motives, getting the five by twos in there, things like that. But yeah, kind of put it all together. Yeah, to drive home the point about the five by two, those five by two exercises of our faith help us to grow in our own faith so that then we can then share that faith with others as we have those meaningful conversations, which is one of our five by two points. I think it's interesting. All three of us are original Lutherans, and as Lutherans, I know that I heard growing up all the time, we need to share our faith, we need to share our faith. And then we were taught all the facts of faith, but we weren't always taught about then how to share those facts or how to actually apply those facts to life sometimes. We had Bible drills and we're looking up passages, we memorized passages, and all those are great things. But sometimes in the whole process, uh, we miss the application part. And I think some of that is our fear that we're going to get into our works righteousness. Hmm. That's what I love about this training. This training brings home the whole point of it's just so much more simpler than that. It's really about building a relationship with others and letting God do the work through that relationship. I think that's what the training boils down to. But Dustin, you did choose to spend quite a bit of time, big chunk of time on resilient faith at the beginning. And tell me why you did that. Yeah, absolutely. 
because you know, to George's point, the works righteousness, it can be easy to fall into that. So what we really want to spend a whole lot of time on is reminding ourselves that it's out of response to the gospel. It's This isn't to earn our salvation or anything like that. It is out of response to God's love and grace that we seek to do these things and allow him to work through us to Julie's point, God doing the work. We're just, we're those willing messengers, you know, joining Jesus where he's already at work. And the reason for so much on the resilient faith is when you're seeking to reach the one in our context for Sarah and I, it has been through, through foster care. And as we're going into this and trying to follow where God leads us, it's hard. It can be very challenging, can be very difficult at times. Now I say all that, this isn't to scare anybody because I can go on and on about how rewarding it's been and how much I've grown in my faith and like that totally outweighs the challenges and everything. But just want people to kind of have their eyes open going into it like this is challenging. And so when you're doing that, you need to have that resilient faith that you're falling back on. And you need to remind yourself, why am I doing it? Because there's going to be times you're like, why am I doing this again? And to remind ourselves, it's because of the gospel. It's because of Jesus. That's why we're doing this. And because if you're trying to do it for that motivation, to your point, George, of like, I'm trying to be the best I can be or try to earn or look better or whatever it, whatever it may be to society, that motivation will fail you. The only motivation that's going to withstand is the gospel of Jesus. So I'm making sure you, you come back to that. And then we talk a lot in there of with the five by two of like George said, like, how do we grow in our faith in order to then be able to share it with other people? So if you go into it without that resilient faith, it can wear you down really fast. Right. And I mean, as I said, right before I asked you that question, I said it boils down to relationships and it boils down to letting God do the work. So you would think it would default to like potential of each person or compelling community, which are kind of the more relational pieces. But I love that you spend so much time in this training on resilient faith to provide that foundation. And I love that Pastor John chose the word resilient for that motive. I mean, you always call me the wordsmith, George, but but like, what's the synonym? What's the word that, you know, that kind of compares to that? Anybody got one? To resilient? Yeah. I don't know of a better word, you know, right, again, right. we've been talking about it for so long, I couldn't even think we ran through a, a several of them as we were talking about that concept. Before we what? go too far, let me give you the definition of what we say resilient faith is. Okay. You know, the way we've described it in our motives is that it is Responding to the changing landscape of culture and life with the fullness of grace and truth. And there's so many elements of it. It's a changing landscape. It's our culture that we live in. So each one of us needs to have that faith that is alive and well within the society we live. And that it is about the f- grace and truth. And we spent several episodes, probably a half a year ago, talking about grace and truth. And that there's a balance of both. We have to have God's grace given to us. We have to have the truth of our sinfulness and our need for the Savior. All those things go together to give us that resilient faith. And again, what's a better word than resilient? Mm -hmm. You know, in the midst of change, it still stands firm. In the midst of all the things that happen in our world, we're still basing our faith upon the one solid rock of Jesus Christ and his word. Right. And like what Dustin just said, you don't know what's going to be thrown your way. So just to know that your faith is ready for anything. I think that that's the whole purpose, right, Dustin? Yeah, and I do want to say, you know, obviously you need to have that resilient faith going into it, but like those opportunities that come about that God presents you, 
those are opportunities mm-hmm. to become more resilient in your faith at the same time. Does that, does that make sense? So like yeah. if somebody's like, well, I, I don't have a resilient enough faith yet. Well, part of it is sometimes you do have to take that leap of faith mm-hmm. and then it's through those challenges that, that God will grow you even more where you do develop more of a resilient faith. And I think there's some of that that goes back to we have to be willing to say we're not arrived. We don't mm-hmm. know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be times when people question us. We go, yeah, I don't know. I'm walking along in this journey with you. I'm a disciple. Like I got to keep learning and growing too. And, you know, I think the other side of the resilient faith, going back to our comments earlier about how we're given so many facts, one of the problems with facts is if you can't apply the facts, when somebody asks you if it doesn't fit in your boxes, you cannot respond. You know, so... Again, I love the catechism, and there's like the Christian questions and your answers, but some of the questions are questions that people don't ask. You know, there are plenty of questions that will get asked that are outside of the bounds of what we could teach even in nine years of Lutheran day school and in confirmation class because of the changing culture in our world, because of the way other people have had experiences in their life. They're going to bring us a question, and we're going to go, uh, I didn't memorize those questions. I didn't right, memorize those right. answers. That's the resiliency. That, and again, I like that idea, the resiliency that you adjust, you can adapt to what's going on in our world. You know how to apply the truths of Scripture, the grace and truth of Scripture to whatever situation you're in. You're able to have the faith that says to God, you know what, give me the answer I need right now. I was. In, it's interesting, in the Bible readings we're doing now, um, the disciples would often say, you know, Jesus, what do we say when we go? The Holy Spirit will give you the words you need when you need them. And I don't know that we always trust. We memorize some of those verses. I don't know that we always trust those verses to say, the Holy Spirit's going to give them to me. Well, that sounds like some of those holy rollers, you know, or the Holy mm-hmm. It's not that. It's what God promises to us as believers, that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, walks alongside of each one of us. Well, I think sometimes it's not that we don't trust it. I think it's we don't remember to. We take things on ourselves, and we just move forward because it's easier just to push on and think that we can do it. But I think once you've trusted and you've seen how the Spirit can work in your life, you're more prone to ask again and again for that because you see what He can do in your life through the Spirit. So I think you got to try it to see it and then understand its power. Yeah, and to your point there, this one of our five is prayer, right? Spending time in prayer you know, beforehand, or even, you know, we talk about this in the training and Julie did a great job bringing it up. If this doesn't mean like maybe in that situation, somebody asks you a question, you're like, you know, I'm not really sure how to respond right this second. It may just be as simple, you know, in your heart and mind saying, all right, God help me. And we've also, you know, sometimes personally, I don't think it's wrong. And sometimes it may be the best answer of like, I don't know that answer, but let's figure that out together. And I think you kind of alluded to that earlier, George, of like, we don't have to have all the answers. And sometimes I think that almost helps people because if you try to like come across Mm -hmm. of I have all the answers that can kind of push people away a little bit, I think, versus like, I'm not sure, but I'm willing to figure that out together with you. Uh, I think that can go a long way. Yeah. I was just thinking about that, like we were talking about growing up and having all the facts and all the answers, but it was more of just accepting it and just kind of like swallowing it and regurgitating it, right? So if I didn't feel like I knew the answer, it was easier just to be quiet and rather than not have the right words to say. But back to your application, you were talking about that. I wasn't really taught how to apply it. So it was easier just to stay quiet and like guess whether I maybe had the right facts. And if I didn't think I did, 
it was just be quiet because I didn't know how to go. I wasn't taught that. So we're circling this pole multiple times, but I think it's reality. I think it's, it's worth talking about. There again, this applies to a lot of things. You cannot give enough information in the classroom setting for every life situation. And I think we find that everywhere. You know, most people learn their job on the job. You know, it's great to have mentors, somebody that's been there before you that walks alongside you. And I think that's one of the reasons when we talk about the growing deeper and younger, it's not just younger, it's deeper also. And I probably have those in a reverse order, but they could go in either way, right? Because we grow younger as we grow deeper because we become more like children. We trust God more. We have to have somebody that's walking alongside us as a mentor that's, that's been through that situation that can coach us. You know, and, and even in that whole aspect, going back to the idea of trust, what's the first commandment? When we trust ourselves, we're breaking the first commandment mm-hmm. because we're holding ourselves above God. We're having another God besides him because, well, I need to do it. And we need to learn to say, all right, God, you've given me these talents. Now you use them. Help me to apply them. And it can be so simple. It doesn't have to like be get on your knees and pray. It can just be a simple whisper like God, take this one, you know, or just say the name of Jesus. I think sometimes we just get so wrapped up in the moment. We just push forward, like I said earlier, and just letting him have it. All it takes is one word. To George's point, I think sometimes I almost put that pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. Like I've got to make sure this person's saved or, you know, like. I was putting myself in God's place like that, you know, that was sinning in that, in that moment versus being, you know what, I can allow God to work through me. But again, we make it very clear in the training. We aren't the ones saving, you know, we can do the watering, the planting, but God is the one that does the growing. God is who does the saving. Right. And so just kind of taking that pressure off of ourselves a little bit of like going in of like, we do what we can, we do what we believe God is calling us to do. And then we see what God does through that. And we can't put that pressure on ourselves of like, I've got to be the one to save this person. Well, you want to get into gospel truth. We can't save ourselves. Correct. Yeah. Right. And so if I can't even save myself, how am I going to save somebody else? Absolutely. And and so it's very important. There's that balance of humility that we know we're God's, but not beaten down because we are God's dearly loved children, Mm -hmm. as well as being God's dearly forgiven children. We've got value. We've got value because we are his. We've got value because he's created us, and yet i got to keep that within the bounds of it's not all me, it's him. Well, and I don't think it's so much for me about I've got to save somebody. I just don't want to miss an opportunity that's put in my path. So I put more pressure on myself that, oh, my gosh, did I miss something? Did I miss someone? Did I look the other way? And I think that's where I take on more of that, like what was God putting in front of me? And I just totally missed it because I was more about myself and what I was doing. Yeah, I think more people, and maybe you said earlier too, but I think more people worry about saying the wrong thing rather than missing an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think we know we miss opportunities, but we miss them on purpose because I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing and I'm going to lead someone astray. And there again, I think you're putting too much pressure on yourself because God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. He can speak <laughs> through me. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and in the training, I just keep coming back to that phrase of out of response to the gospel. Again, it's God doing the work. It's out of response to his love and grace. That's why we do it and, you know, have that motivation. And to your point, George, like you talked about all the different life situations and things. Like there's no way we can teach on everything, right? But try to give some framework of some things of like how does the gospel apply to to certain situations 
or how do you apply the gospel to someone's story? We talk a lot about learning someone's story, and we'll probably get into that a little bit further in a future episode. But as you learn their story, kind of what's at the heart, okay, now how do I apply the gospel? It's not just, oh, here's the, I got like my little sheet of paper here. I'm going to say it exactly the right way. No, it's hearing kind of what their heart is and then being able to speak the gospel to whatever their longing or their desire is. So as we're talking about all of this, so where we start with the training is resilient faith. And the big part of that is we start like, okay, the gospel and what is the gospel? And Julie, I know you had a story you wanted to share about our first training before we even start talking about things, we just kind of gave a quick overview and we're talking about the gospel right? and we hadn't even gotten to like, okay, we're going to talk about what the, what is the gospel? You want to share that story? Well, yeah. And it was just out of the blue before we moved to that part. One of the attendees, she raised her hand. She said, well, how do we know we're all sharing the gospel? How do we know we're all on the same page sharing the same gospel in the way that God wants us to. And Dustin and I looked at each other like she was planted in the crowd for that moment. And she teed it up so well that we just took it from there. But she was a great reminder of why we were doing what we were doing is that we do have to start with that shared response to the gospel. So just to kind of get into that a little bit in this episode, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I want to just throw this at George. When people hear or think about the gospel, in that question of what is the gospel, what's your response, George? First, you start with the basic word gospel. The word gospel means good news, you know, and so just a, a simple thing, it's the good news, but that's often used in secular things, you know, just in terms of good news, where it doesn't have to do anything with spiritual things. When we talk about spiritually, uh, biblically speaking, when we talk about the gospel, the gospel is what God does for us. And so ultimately, that takes its climax in Jesus. Jesus is God's answer to all of our problems. When we look at the Bible, we talk about it being God's Word. Jesus is also called the Word. We go, well, which one's the Word? Well, both are the same, because the Bible is the story of Jesus. It's how God has applied His goodness to our lives. And so that when we use the word gospel, we're talking about Jesus, Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. When we came into sin, we fell into sin, and back in Genesis 3, God promises the first gospel, I'm going to send the one that will conquer sin. I'm going to send the one that redeems us. When we talk about applying the gospel to people's lives, we're sharing with them how God is wanting to interact with them to bring them out of the misery, to bring them out of the despair of trying to do it themselves. The gospel is God's love through us through Jesus Christ. Do you want to then touch on, I know these are two really big words, but again, I know we only have a few minutes, but justification and sanctification. Because if somebody's like, well, how am I saved? How does works fit in? I think those two things help kind of clear that up. Again, I know that's hard to do, but can you kind of just give a quick overview of those two things? Well, we believe that the Bible tells us all of us are born sinful and that we are born hostile to God. You know, we are spiritually dead. And and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we come to faith. That's justification. When we come to faith, it's just as if we had never sinned. God looks at us at that moment as being perfected as not having sin because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, we're going to continue to sin, and that we can go into the whole Satan-sinner paradox thing and all those, but God does not look at our individual sins when we trust in Jesus. Now, we go through those our sins ourselves, and we remind ourselves every Sunday when we confess our sins, it's not to beat us down, it's to remind us that we need Jesus. And it's not for us to say, I need to fix this before God loves me. 
God loved me before I was even there. So the gospel continues to tell us, I'm loved, Jesus saved me, and it's just as if I had never sinned. That's justification. I'm saved by faith in Jesus. However, because we keep sinning, there can be a problem in our lives that sin can separate us from God. It can pull us away. Sin can also be a bad witness to others as they look at my life and they go, well, you're horrible. You do worse things than I. And so sanctification is the ongoing process, the Holy Spirit working within us to make us more and more like Jesus every day. Now, we believe as Lutherans that we'll never reach that ultimate perfection until we get to heaven. That doesn't mean that each day, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we strive to follow Jesus' example. And so I'm being in the process of sanctification, being made holy. I'm seen as sinless because of justification. I'm being made sinless as I get closer and closer to the way Jesus is. Again, never achieving that on this side of heaven. Clear as mud. <laughs> no, I think that was great. It, um, was. it really was because, and again, I know those are two big words. Somebody might be like justification, sanctification, but I think those are two important terms. And you know, that's kind of where we start in the training, talking about the gospel, talking about justification, sanctification, because we want to make sure again people know, like, reason we're seeking to make disciples to share the gospel isn't because I'm trying to earn my salvation or anything like that. No, that's all about who Jesus is and what he's done for us, right? So, so yeah, I just think it's important. So thank you for sharing those. Well, and those, for those yeah. listeners who kind of lost George about midway through, just know that in the training, we take that a whole lot slower and we, we make it a whole lot more digestible, if you will, and explain things. But in the training, there's a lot. There's a lot of information, but it remember, it just all boils down to just being who God is to us, to others. And you talk, George, about how God loves us. He sought us out before we were even born. He sought us out. So it's our response to seek others out and love them like God would love us. So it all boils down to simplicity, but there's a lot of things that tie into the training that might seem like a lot, but we make it in a way chunks that are easy to digest. Yeah, absolutely. We spend a lot like you said, Julie, a lot of time on the, the resilient faith, which is kind of like, I thought we were talking about like, what are the practical things to, yeah. to reach the one? Like, how do I share the gospel? But I just think it's so important that we spend time there that then that leads us into. Right. Because then it makes so much more sense at the end why you did spend that time. When we get to the practical elements, you've got that foundation and it makes perfect sense. So I, I love how you've organized it. Thank you. Thank you. And, and going back again, you know, just to make that clear, this, the idea of sanctification, the Holy Spirit's working within us. It's not about being perfect because if it becomes about us being perfect, we're back into that thing. I need to do it. I yeah, need to yeah. do it. What's our motivation for being more like Jesus? It's not to earn heaven. Correct. Heaven's already been open for us. We have heaven waiting for us because of the work of Jesus. What we're trying to do is not to fall away from Jesus, let, let our sins become a blockade, and not to block other people from receiving that gift of Jesus because they look at us and they, they're repelled by what we might do in our lifestyle. So again, justification, 
God does all the work bringing us to faith. Sanctification, he actually does all the work too. Yeah, um, yeah. We're just following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Again, that's why we keep coming back to, again, yeah, out of response to God's love and grace and being compelled by his love of like how amazing it is. You know, I kind of share in the training that, you know, I think sometimes for us is the longer we're Christians, the more it can be like, oh yeah, like, you know, Jesus died for me. Like, at least for me, where it's like, I need to remind myself like how amazing that really is. And so one of our former foster sons, he's younger, but like there's been a couple of times where we've been blessed that they're still in our lives and we still get to see them from time to time. But he'll just like out of nowhere be like, can you believe Jesus died for us? Like just this like awe, right? And which is amazing, right? You hear that. And at the same time, like, man, like that reminder of like, I need to be in that same awe of like, can you believe mm-hmm. Jesus died for us? Like how amazing and yeah, it's wonderful that that truly is. It's cool. Again, little ones being an inspiration and bringing the, the message and reminders to me as an, an adult is, is pretty cool too. So Yeah. Just to take a side trip, that's an advantage of growing younger. As we have children that have that eyes of wonder and awe, as opposed to us older adults that maybe get jaded, or as new Christians come into the faith, the excitement and the joy of Jesus. Some of us were that indignant older brother, you know, we've been here forever, we've served you forever, where's mine? It's so easy to fall into that pattern, but like when we can just see that excitement and joy about somebody that's coming to, the light's gone on for them, that can bring us joy also. Mm And what does it take to normalize that, right? To That that's just the way everybody responds and shows their faith to others. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Well, and, and to George's point, I think when you, the growing younger, as you yeah. see that, I think it just kind of excites or I don't know what the right word, but but like excites everybody of like, that's, that's part of it too. Yeah. No matter how old our body is, we want those young hearts that are still excited about being a member of Jesus family. We're running out of time this week. We'll have a lot more to talk about in the next couple of weeks as we dig more into this topic. Any closing thoughts, Julie, Dustin? No, I, yeah, we have more to, more to cover, but I think, yeah. yeah, today was getting talking about that resilient faith and why we're spending so much time there. So hopefully that kind of clears things up for that. So thank you to our listeners for continuing to tune in, and we look forward to continuing these discussions on discipleship and specifically reaching the one. And thank you again to Julie for Thanks some for reason. She me. keeps coming back. I Not know. exactly sure, but um, <laughs> we're glad she's here. Now go out and serve God and others.